Hello, hello. Dave Chang here. Going to talk about a few things before we get into the podcast. Uh, I was uh, in New York a few weeks ago and we filmed some content that's out now for Momofuku using our pantry products, our noodles that are available nationwide. You can get them at shop.momofuku or Whole Foods and Targets nationwide and a few other grocery stores. We've spent a lot of time working in our lab to develop products that we use in our restaurants that's now available for the home pantry. Go check it out. Uh, It was a lot of fun cooking with the team and just, man, I'm just very proud of our products that we make. They're extremely delicious. I haven't been doing too much social media. A lot of it's just personal, but I don't know. I'm just in a phase where I don't know if I want to share everything in my life right now, which is weird because I think I'm about to share a lot. But I haven't been posting too much about Cook Any Day, the Any Day Bowls, but my goodness, uh, it is a real game changer again for a variety of reasons, but specifically for making food for my youngest son, Gus, and reheating his food. It is unbelievable. There are a plethora of different ways. You can make cakes now. You can make real composed dishes that I need to learn how to do. And that's all on the website, Cook Any Day, but please check it out. Unlock the power of your microwave oven. I can't believe I just uttered those words, but it's true. And I'm going to get back to posting more and more. But right now, I just feel like I needed to take a break from a lot of things. And, and, and I'm beginning to re-engage with the world in ways that I think I just said I needed a break. Um, a, lot of, a lot has happened. So we'll get into that, I hope. Um, and also, check out our Major Doma Discord channel, Major Doma Media. The easiest way, I think, to sign up for it is... Major Doma Media's Instagram page. If you go on the profile, there's a link. I'm so thankful again for our community that is growing. We are still figuring out how to engage with the community on a on a minute by minute basis because that's the reality. It's a constant engagement, and it's a different way of uh, of looking at how you make content. I am fascinated with it. For a long time, I never got onto it because I just thought it was gaming, like games. I think it was designed for gaming communities. Um, like Fortnite and stuff like that, I have no idea, and and cryptocurrency. But I've learned that there's a whole host of other communities. It's a wonderful way of engaging with the people that are your audience. And I I get a lot of ideas from the people that write a lot of content on it. So check it out. If you've never visited it, I I, I just think it's a, I don't want to say it's the future, but man, it seems like such a simple idea, but I I love it very much. Go check it out. Um, Digital Media Discord channel. And I'll get into the podcast now. I'll stop talking. So here you go. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled over easy or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free.
Theo Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you a lot, Tango, as always. If you've been listening to this podcast since the inception, I don't know, almost four years ago now, which is crazy to think about, I cannot express how grateful I am that we have listeners that have been listening to all of these episodes because it has changed so much. Other than those 20 seconds of introduction, I don't think anything's remained the same. Talking out loud here, thinking out loud, excuse me, talking out loud clearly, I'm just thinking out loud here about the next iteration of where we're going. And I can't talk about too many things. Some things need to be finalized from the team's end, but I promise you a lot of the changes and a lot of things that we've been implementing are going to make a lot more sense. I promise you it's going to make a lot more sense. It makes sense to me. I hope it translates to a lot more clarity for everybody here. But, you know, there's there's a lot of change in my life and I'm I'm just trying to sort it all out and reprioritizing things. It's very hard when you're traveling. I know I'm not the only person. I know that so many of you guys are trying to figure out how to live life again. Now that the world is coming back online or has been online, even though the world seems to be more fucked up than it ever was. And that's a lot to balance. There was just so much change that's all happened. So please be patient. I'm so grateful for your support, but I promise you a major dome media that's going to be more useful for our audience. So you guys can all be better cooks, better diners, better at everything. You know, that's sort of what I want in Major Doma. The, the idea of Major Doma is to tell you what to do. That's sort of what the definition is. Somebody that tells you how to be, live, buy, all of that stuff. And that's what I want us to be, more practical and to have fun and to keep it fresh. So I will say that I just got back from San Francisco. Um, I received the award from the Korean, K- KASF, Korean American Association of San Francisco. Received it with Eric Kim and Minjin Lee. Eric is a super, super successful entrepreneur, and he gave one of the best acceptance speeches of award I've ever heard. And usually, you go in with a, a low expectations. It was it was genuinely remarkable. And Minjin is just she's so badass, man. I, I love her. And if you haven't read Free Food for Millionaires or read the book Pachinko, I admire her so much. She is just one of my favorite people of all time, and it was great to spend time with her. I got to eat at Mr. Jew's by Brandon Jew. I never got to, I never ate there before, so it was uh, so exciting. The world has been on, had been on pause for some time, so to, to taste all of these dishes, and I've known Brandon a long time, and to see his development and to see where he's at and the team he's assembled and the beautiful space and a historic building, that's a story in and of itself in Chinatown, uh, so go check it out. I got to see Corey Lee. Minjin really wanted to meet Corey. We were able to stop by. We didn't get to eat there. And man, I want to eat at Benu so bad. And to see that kitchen, and, and I just think it's one of the most spectacular restaurants. Corey is undoubtedly one of the best chefs in the world. Let's his action speak for himself. Technique, flavor, creativity, it's all there. I've known him for years. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple times. Please check that out. He has a restaurant called Monster Benjamin and a new one that I wanted to check out, but I didn't get the chance. San Ho Wan. It's his a Korean restaurant, Korean barbecue restaurant that's in the mission. But we got out of uh, things too late. And just thank goodness, Brandon and the team at Mr. Jews let us in. And that's one thing I quickly I wanted to talk about. Eating late is one of the things I hate the most. 
I do. What I mean is trying to sit at a table, especially if you know the people there, either you're friends with the owner or you are friends with the chef or somebody that works there, that makes it hard because you're getting a table late night. Usually, you know, last seating for most places on a weekend is 9.45, 9.50, but somebody might show up at 10.15. I hate that. And that's, I, I was so mad at me because that's what we did. We sat down. Thankfully, we weren't the last table to leave, but it's something to keep in mind in general, especially now with, with uh, labor shortages and overtime and all of these things. If you stay too long, it really puts pressure on the, the, the kitchen team and the service staff now more than ever. And I just didn't want to do that. Plus, people want to get home. You know, I, I just hate being the last table. That's just me. Maybe no one else cares about it, but I really intensely dislike being the last table and making people wait. That's just not what I ever wanted, but um, they didn't mind. We were so happy and we got to check out the third floor bar, but we had some delicious cocktails. Even the, the Brandon gave me some kind of um, Chinese herbal digestive. That was not my cup of tea. He didn't make it. He, 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 he I'll just leave it at that. There were other delicious cocktails, especially this peanut whiskey thing that I had uh, with my meal. Great restaurant. Check out the smoked peking duck. He had this beautiful shiso wrapped sugar snap. I, I don't know. It was just fantastic to eat composed dishes and flavors that were fresh and innovative. And it was great to see his sort of lifelong dream come to fruition. I had not gotten to be, I, I never got to check it out before uh, the pandemic started. So he opened it up right before it began. And uh, just shout out to Brandon. and. Uh, Next time, Corey, I'll be able to check out San Juan. I've been getting a lot more uh, where to eat in New York City. One of my friends said, is it okay for me to eat at a place like Balthazar? I said, why not? Balthazar is an amazing restaurant. If you don't know, that's Keith McNally's restaurant that uh, many, many great chefs have gone through. It's in Soho. It is one of my favorite restaurants in the world, especially... Uh, so because it has this feature, it's one of the few places where tourists, locals, and business meetings can all take place simultaneously and without it not being cool. And it's not that it needs to be more busy because it's always busy, but you know, I, I feel like that's sort of where we're at right now. A lot of people want to eat at restaurants that are comfortable or that are familiar. And I love that. And I said, go eat at Balazar. I, I, I can't wait to eat there. I haven't eaten there yet, but I think there's a lot of other restaurants that people should check out. So for every restaurant that is a tried and true blue chip restaurant in your city, I highly encourage you guys to go visit a restaurant that just opened up. That's the best way to balance it out. I can't wait to eat at the tried and true blue chip spots. You know, the last time I was in New York, I had a Peter Luger's, right? Fantastic. Delicious. Never goes out of style. I can't wait for people to go visit Noodle Bar all the time when it reopens soon enough after the renovations in the East Village. There are restaurants that are just sort of the, they're like family. You just go there and it's never going to let you down. I think people should go to places like Balthazar. God bless. It's an amazing experience. Never, ever, ever lets me down. Just remember to, to find time to support the new restaurants, the smaller mom and pop restaurants. I think it's really important to do that. I also want to give a shout out to Josh Pinsky, Chase Zinzer, I think they just opened up their restaurant Cloud Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, in the East Village. Big fan of Josh's work. We used to work together for many, many years. But I think they just did a pop-up, so should be opening soon, God willing. So restaurants like that. 
So again, my my rule of thumb is for every restaurant that I go to that's a tried and true, I got to next visit a restaurant that I've never been to. And, you know, not saying that you have to, but that's what I'm going to try to do this year. Anyway, I, I want to talk a few more things before we get into our MOIF, where we finish our required eating homework, which I failed miserably at with Chris and Noel, but in general, just giving you guys a sort of a state of the union of what's been happening, um, seeing a new psychiatrist for the first time in 17 years, um, just decided to not end, but it was a long time coming, a long time coming. And my psychiatrist in New York, we just felt that it was the right decision. And I think I'm still processing that. It's very similar to a, it's not a breakup. <laughs> it almost feels like a conscious uncoupling. Uh, I love that phrase, but uh, that is, that's been a lot to process. It's a lot of new transition in my life, not just an addition of a son, but just existential stuff that I've been really wrestling with. And on top of that, life is getting not back to normal because the world's so fucked up more than ever, it seems. But it seems that we're moving away a little bit, partially from this Zoom world of just staying at home. I've been on the road a lot more. Having more face-to-face meetings is very strange to me. Yet the responsibilities of living at home, being a father, these things haven't changed. And again, I know the privilege and I know the, the, the platforms and all the good things that happened to me, but it still things can be difficult and just wanted to remind and it don't, I, nobody should feel sorry or anything, but I just wanted to address that. Like, if I haven't been super, super good on recipe club, my apologies. I'm going to do my best to be better. I really am. I'm trying to be grateful every day for every opportunity I have and to be able to just do something like this isn't lost on me. And, um, that's my, that's some of the thing I'm, I'm focusing on is just being grateful. I know that sounds new agey and new whatever, but it's not bullshit. Um, not just the pandemic, but really around Hugo was born. Uh, so about three years I've been drinking coffee. I never drank coffee before, mainly because I'm always wired to begin with, but two, it was a pain in the ass. When I say drink coffee, drinking coffee at home. Just something I never would do. I honestly would drink an energy drink or something like that. But coffee is not something I've ever had. I appreciate the stories. I really appreciate a delicious cup of coffee. I am the worst thing because I'm okay with, I was okay with instant coffee. So when Hugo was born, I started drinking a lot more instant coffee because I just needed the caffeine. You're not sleeping. You actually now realize you're never going to sleep again until they go to college, it seems. So I needed to drink coffee. So I'm grateful that I've been able to work with Cometeer. I go to San Francisco, you know, we're out and about with uh, my friend, Steve Jang, and we stop by and get a cup of coffee. This sort of newsstand that was selling coffee, but it had a stack of coconuts. And I didn't understand. I've never had this before. I could be a Philistine with my head in the ground. Maybe this is a thing, but I'm not a coffee drinker, so I had no idea. I am drinking coffee now, but I don't know anything about the flavors. (laughs) <laughs> I really had no idea. I see this guy cracking open these coconuts and then mixing like hot coffee or cold coffee and serving it in the coconut thing, uh, the actual shell. I had to get one of those. I got a cold brew with the freshly opened coconut water. And I got to tell you, it was so good. I've never had coconut coffee. If I had just read about that, I would have said to myself, that's stupid. I'm never going to try that. 
But to be honest, it's extremely good. I don't know what the combination of flavor is between the coconut and coffee and, and fresh coconut water, but that is a magical combination. It's ex- just so, so, so good. So you may be listening to this being like, of course, dumbass. Everybody drinks that. I, I didn't know. I legitimately had no idea. So when I came home, I bought some non-fresh coconut juice, the things you get at the store, and, and put, put it in with a cometeer. It wasn't as good as the fresh coconut, but it was pretty good. It was pretty damn good. So I think that's going to be my new thing moving forward. I'm going to just drink coconut water with a, with a shot of defrosted cometeer. So good. I've had like three of them today, quite frankly. Um, my doctor said to limit my caffeine to like two cups a day. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is rising prices. Clearly, the economy, the markets are in flux in a bad way. Just want everyone to, 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 to not complain to restaurants. I feel that gas prices are one thing. People already understand that gas prices are expensive here in California. You almost see it at seven bucks. It's insane. They're like six sixty, six seventy-five. And I, I I think that one of the things that happens with food is people just inherently think it's going to be more uh, affordable, cheaper. I can tell you that it's 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 not the case. At least thirty percent food cost increase happening across the board. So when you're going out to restaurants, try not to grumble too much internally. It is what it is. A lot of these places are not making more money. I promise you a lot of these places are losing money. It's a larger conversation, but I just wanted to address rising prices. It's happening. And, and just be a little bit more mindful and don't go on Yelp and trash them. That's the last thing people need. Anyway, that's it. I just talked way, 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 way longer than I thought I was going to. So apologies if I rambled on and on and on. I'm going to get into our MOIF conversation with Chris Yang and Noel, and we are going to talk about the second part of required eating, something we talk about in Discord, and shout out to uh, Peacock that did all 12. I've never watched, I've never watched all Twilight movies. I don't think I ever will, but it's on my iPad, so who knows? Anyway, guys, appreciate you. Here's our MOIF. We have part two of our MOIF eating assignments. Noelle, you want to run supercomputer today? Oh, yeah. Sure. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Before that, any updates? We got some updates. Anything new to report? Oh, Just in gosh. life? I feel like I've seen you guys more than ever before, which has been really nice. I feel like we've had some good times over the past week. Some decent eating. You know what? I Can I tell you my biggest faux pas and maybe the most laughable thing? We were, we were at a house where, where a bunch of all of us were in L.A., and uh, I visited late night to check out the recording situation where we're filming a bunch of stuff. And uh, I was hungry. I saw a box of cereal and I opened it. And it was Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces chocolate peanut butter. Reese's, Reese's, Reese's Puffs. Puffs. Reese's Puffs. I'm only from the backside did I see that. The next day, I haven't had a nice big bowl of cereal at like 10 p.m. <laughs> Come back the next morning and I see, I was like, hmm. What du- who, what dumbass opened that box of cereal? Oh, because no. on the on the front, it's not it, it, it's art. It's a cause. Somebody brought a cause uh, Reese's Puff cereal box. The famous modern <laughs> artist who does a lot of things with pop culture, and it's a cause with the Mickey Mouse with the dead eyes on the cover. And I opened up. I may be the only person in the world that actually um, 
ate the cereal. <laughs> so, Noel, can you explain what this thing actually is? What, what, what are we talking about here for people? Who so we're don't talking know? about the collaboration, as Dave mentioned, between Cause and Reese's Puffs. And so this house that we've been in has had this box lying around in the kitchen. I think all of us prior to Dave's arrival have all kind of pointed out, oh, that's fun. That's funny. Also strange that they just left it out on the counter. One day this week, I'd come, I I think I was the last person to arrive at the house, and I noticed that the box was open. So I look over to Chris Yang, and I said, who ate this? (laughs) And of course, he rolls his eyes and says, Dave, Dave did, Dave opened it up. And sure enough, you know, we, we all kind of asked each other the question of, is this edible? Is it purely art? What is it? Lo and behold, of course, on StockX, they're selling, they're reselling all of these because oh. it is, it is kind oh. of a, oh, a bit of art. I'm so relieved. <laughs> I'm and it so does... relieved. It's like, uh, oh, you actually ate Andy Warhol's chicken noodle <laughs> soup. No, but like these, these like, there's, I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you think Noel, I mean, you're probably more tapped into this than, than us. Like mm. is, is this box, this unopened box of cause X Reese's puff cereal, going to be worth something someday if Dave had not opened it? No, right? No, absolutely not. We're talking like Supreme Oreos, Cause Reese's Puffs. They're nice to have right now. They look good on the outside. The inside still very much the same as their normal bit. I was very I worried. That- I was extremely worried. <laughs> I mean, I, I just found out today. I was today years old when I found out it wasn't our cereal. It was the house that we were renting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was not something like we had picked up. It was just like the house's nice piece of art. Well, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have to figure out how to like uh, close up the box and hide all of the evidence. Can well, we, bu- we can buy one right late. now, right? Because once, once Dave, I'm going to be honest with you, once he broke the seal, my little paws were in that cause box. <laughs> <laughs> can we buy another box to replace? No. Oh, we can buy another. Yeah, yeah. we can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay. I'm 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 much relieved because uh, that was a terrible feeling. When I turned over the box, the last thing in the world I ever thought possible was that it was a cost cereal box. <laughs> you basically walked into a Dave. Dave thought he walked into a museum and pissed into Marcel Duchamp's yeah. urinal. Yeah. Basically, that's what he thought yeah. he had done. Just like, oh, I didn't know this was part of the exhibit. No, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. I'm looking on StockX, although funnily enough on StockX, they label these as not fit for human consumption, but they're like, they're cheap. They're not, this is not going to be a thing. I mean, it tasted yeah. delicious. It tasted delicious. I, I won't lie. Reese's Pops are great. And can I also say I ate cereal at the appropriate time at night, 10 PM. Yeah. Mm. I don't even crave cereal until 10 PM. That's when it's, that's when you eat it. All those marketing geniuses, just pitch it, rebrand it. Oh, you know what? Not even rebrand it, Dave. Release a separate yeah. nighttime cereal product. 25 cents more. <laughs> right. Same. Right. For Reese's After Dark. Ooh, yeah. Let's see. This is a great, a specifically nighttime branded cereal. That's the best. Things are going to get more expensive. <laughs> Just in general, with all this inflation stuff, I wonder how expensive cereal is going to be. I'm also wondering how expensive food's going to be uh, before people complain. So can I ask as like a microcosm for this in the restaurant business, when you're, you're making your orders every night, if you start to see prices fluctuate or change on certain things, like what is your move, 
Um, I remember like 2000, maybe around 2005, scallions. We go through scallions like nobody's business at our restaurant, especially in those early days when uh, we were selling so many buns and so many noodles. And that was it. All right. We, we knew when you don't have much space, you know exactly your sort of volume of raw ingredients. And it was something maybe, say, $8 a box. And in a box was maybe 50 bundles of scallions. Mm-hmm. It shot up to about $100 a box for about a couple wow. months. Good God. And nobody knew why. It was a great scallion <laughs> price couch. There's something that happened. Right. I can't remember what that caused scallions to just skyrocket. Scallion beetle decimated the Something scallion happened. farms. And it took a while for it to, to, to level out, but it was specifically just scallions. And we just used a little bit less, but you can't change the price. I mean, I don't even remember if we used a little less. You just, what are you going to do? You can't change the price and you can't replace it. Scallions, there's not just like, you can't be like, We're, well, now it's leak, leak ginger sauce. I think what we did is we put different specials on that didn't incorporate it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I want people to understand that when you're buying something at the grocery store or specifically at an independent restaurant, and if things are more expensive, I beg you, do not complain. <laughs> please, please, please do not complain. I definitely have noticed, like I said, like I'm, I'm a very consistent shopper. I don't know if you guys are consistent shoppers, but like every time I go, I don't buy the same things, but I know... Just in the back of my head, I'm doing some little, my little, my mental abacus is counting away like what I'm putting in my basket. I know, give or take, I'm going to have the same amount at checkout every time. I basically go to the grocery store once a week for most things. And like, I have noticed it, like, I'm not, I'm not springing for anything extra and it's, it's definitely creeping up and like, not just like buy a few bucks. So no, I think that like, we've all got to kind of think about it and people are going to adjust the way they cook too. Don't you think Dave? I don't know. I, I have no idea about how this is going to impact people's cooking at home. Last time something like this happened, but we didn't have inflation, was 2008 financial crisis. But I will say the dot-com bust, September 11th, the 2008 financial crisis, and the pandemic, clearly the pandemic changed how people eat, people dine, people buy food. This is something else that's happening on top of the sort of the end of the, what we're, I guess, now endemic. But every time something like this happens, there is dramatic change in the kinds of restaurants that are going to open and the kinds of things I think people cook at home. And the, the 2008 financial crisis, I think, was responsible for the growth, uh, dramatic growth of Shake Shack, Chipotle, and um, uh, Sweetgreen. Right, mm-hmm. people wanted more affordable things, but now this time around, when everything's expensive, I I I don't know what's going to happen. It's, this is something that I've never been alive. Like, I was probably what two years old when the stagflation happened in the late seventies. So I couldn't tell you. I don't know, but uh, I wonder what happens from the high end. Uh, the high end, I don't think is a problem. You know, if you're going to spend a thousand dollars a person on a meal, who cares? They're going to spend two thousand, three thousand, four thousand. Everything on the low end, I don't think is going to be affected too much because the big food corporations are locked into food contracts years in advance. And oftentimes they own the farms. Um, So things might get more expensive because of shipping. It's in between the cheap and the super high end that I have great concern over in terms of the price. I just don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know what kind of innovation that's going to happen. Hmm. Well, 
I can at least tell you guys firsthand, since I've been home, I've been spending a lot of time with my grandparents, and they asked to go to the Cheesecake Factory for lunch last weekend. And we ordered as an appetizer calamari, but let me tell you, it was not all calamari in there. I had a couple of chicken pieces in there too. So if you want to talk about changes to the restaurant, I found it. I have found it. This has been Noelle's Market Watch Corner. You know, when I started noticing that there was a real recession was when I went to order the calamari and I got some chicken. I want... Visuals and a green screen behind Noelle so she can look like Jim Cramer yeah. and have all the. We need a, a, a thing trailing at the bottom on the side and pow, all kinds of shit happening. Dump calamari. Dump right now. What? Let me tell you, these are the top five buys. I love Cheesecake number one. <laughs> On the flip side, I do think that diners are being a little bit more mindful because I was at my local sandwich shop, Larchmont Wine and Cheese, a true favorite. Uh, And the guy in front of me proceeded to order what I think is their best sandwich. It's the number three. It has salami, greens, manchego cheese, a sun-dried tomato spread, and some balsamic and olive oil. Mm. Long story short, this gentleman asked for the sandwich with avocado, but without the green spread balsamic. Of course, he couldn't get the avocado because there weren't enough avocados that day. And so this gentleman proceeded to purchase a salami on bread sandwich at the price, at the full price of the entire sandwich. So on the flip side, you know, some people are recession proof. Way to to out this person. Hey, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) But Noel, whoever you are, let us know. Call in to, to... the faux Jim Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> Noel also, Noel told me this story that day. This gentleman also tried to, this is my favorite part though, Noel. They offer a half sandwich and a whole sandwich, <laughs> Dave. And she said this guy tried to, wanted to try to order something between. He tried to request a between half and whole sandwich. A three quarter sandwich. <laughs> like we wow. need to like cross recipes and see if there's Are anybody. Are you sure like, this person wasn't Larry David? <laughs> this is like some <laughs> America's most wanted shit. You got to find this guy. Hey, but going back really quick to that your your calamari thing, I wanted to ask you guys this: What is your general react? What is your like instant reaction when you order some fried food, and like one little stray curly fry sneaks in with your chicken fingers, or one straight fry sneaks in with your uh, <laughs> waffle fries, or you get that one straggler? What do you guys think immediately when you get that? It's like finding money in your pocket. It's, yeah, like it's so exciting. It's the best. Even if it's like, even if it's like, I hate curly fries, but one snuck in, I'm like, ah, bonus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they threw in a curly fry, right? It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should keep on track. We have a lot to report back. We still have not gotten through all of our required shit. eating. So last week, we got reports all around about numbers one to four on the list, which included going to a diner and eating a dinner entree visiting a chain or fast food restaurant you've never been to, uh, buying a green juice for the first time, it seems, for some, and watching uh, one of the Iron Chef episodes with Pierre Gagnier. But we still have so many more to talk about, which (laughs) leaves us with the next one on the list. So first and foremost, talk to me about your beet dishes. What do you make? How did it taste? I bought bought it for for Gus. I bought some... Uh, yellow beets at the farmer's market. I pureed them. 
in my Thermomix with some formula and uh, froze three portions of it. And that's what I did. It was delicious. I tasted it. it. It's very good. He loves it. But how did you cook the beets? I added some water a little bit. I peeled it. I chopped them up. I threw them in the Thermomix. That's that's what I did. (laughs) Hmm. I got a text from Jamie, my wife, while she was at Trader Joe's. And she said, hey, do you still need beets and Biscoff cookies? (laughs) It's like, yeah, yes, I do. And she's like, got it. Uh, so she, so, you know, spoiler alert, she found my Biscoff cookies at TJ's. Whoa. They sell TJ's Biscoff cookies? Yeah. And yes. I have, I have, I have thoughts on that, <laughs> but she I bought, she came home with the beets and I was like, okay, I'm going to cook some beets. And I, I, I like, I think that, I think that most people, I think beets have a negative connotation for most people. I think most people don't think of beets fondly. I didn't for a long time. As I ate like more restaurant prepared beets, I found like some like yeah, there's amazing ones. Like at Saison, Skeens used to like slow, dry, smoke his beet over the fire for a hundred years that's or whatever. That's not a beet. That's a hundred and eight hour preparation. Stop. <laughs> hundred and eight hour preparation for a beet. No, so then my so then my bar for beets got super high. She came home not with raw beets. She had like pre-cooked cryovacked beets in like a little TJ's mm. package. And I, I tried, I was like, oh, this, I thought the same thing, Chang. I was like, oh, this is, this is great. Cause like, these are, or these are sweet and delicious. Like this is going well, to my kids' I, lunch. I never thought that that would be great at all. Don't speak. No, no, no. Me. I'm saying that for my, they would be great for my kids. Beats for kids. I opened these pack, this package and I, 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 I warmed it up in the microwave and, um, got to tell you, I can see why people don't like beets. They're these terrible. were yeah. horrible. Just mm. so, just like eating like mud. Okay. Noelle? This was my first time making beets ever. I didn't know what to do. I scrubbed the beets. I cut them up and I roasted them. Are you supposed to peel beets? No. no. You just leave them on, right? Yeah, and then you peel it afterward. But I peeled, Mm. yeah. Okay. So I peeled them afterward. Phew. I, I thought that they were totally fine. I was feeling pretty lazy and I was at Whole Foods and they had, they have these kava tubs of tzatziki. So I just ate beets with tzatziki, and it was fine. Uh, On the cooking front, how about your oxtail dishes? How did those turn out? Fabulous. Well, tell tell us more. I made oxtails two times because the price has gotten cheaper. I've been making it. So a quick recipe. I will put in my liquor, say, put the oxtails trimmed if needed, broil the hell out of them. I'll season them in some Momo savory salt, get them super brown, and then I will blend allspice, habanero pepper, thyme leaves, cumin, berber spice, um, fish sauce, agave, cinnamon, some clove, maybe some water and some soy too. Blend that up. Uh, maybe some, uh, sometimes I'll t- uh, ketchup or tomato puree. So then I'll take the brown oxtails and I'll just take that seasoned sauce and I'll just braise it in that, and that's it. And it comes out perfect almost every time. Halfway through, I'll add scallions and and some um, red bell peppers or green bell peppers or whatever bell peppers, um, and cook it so you don't have to see that there's bell peppers in it. And that's the mm-hmm. that's the recipe. It's delicious. Nice, Chris. We'll do oxtails in that style a lot. I think this time I went to I went to Whole Foods and they had like very few oxtails left. And I I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. This is probably poor form. But I asked them not to give me the little nubs. I don't want like a whole bag of nubs that have nothing on them. 
So I asked for like the larger pieces. I took them home. My dad used to eat oxtails all the time and like the simplest soup in the entire world. It was just like oxtails boiled with like cabbage, potatoes, carrots, and tomatoes. And then he would sit there and he would drink all the soup and then he would take Worcestershire sauce and like season his oxtails individually and then eat them as like a little after soup snack. So I just basically Great wanted idea. like a Great taste idea. of home. I basically made that except for instead of like whole tomatoes, I just threw in like a can of Bianco tomatoes, did a super simple soup with cabbage and, you know, seasoned the oxtails with momo salt and brown them. And then like Dave, I don't, you know, everything gets hammered by the time the oxtails are done. So I just threw in potatoes and carrots at the end, some Worcestershire sauce in the soup itself. Delightful. Nice. Um, I think it's an impossibility to spell Worcestershire sauce. Well, the spelling changes every time, yeah. so you can't. You can't you're always chasing it. Uh, Noel, did you make your family's oxtail? Well, okay. So, for those of you out there, my most favorite oxtail dish on the face of the planet is my mom's curry curry, which is an oxtail stew, kind of in peanut sauce, peanut butter, with a bunch of greens. This is a. If you're a Filipino person, you'll always say that your mom's version of whatever dish is the best, but I'm convinced after eating many mom's dishes that my mom's really is the best. And it's one that's been passed on from generation to generation. So we had this assignment and at the time we had one week to get it done. So I bought my oxtails, but I realized that it just didn't feel right making this for the first time without her in person. She's never taught me. There's no recipe written. And so Normally, she'll teach me over Zoom, but I really wanted to be there in person with her. So it'll happen at some point. We will make it. I will share it. It will be a whole thing. Not only that, Noel, not only will it be mm. a thing, but I have since hearing of this, of Noel's mom's uh, oxtails. For those of you out there who listen to Recipe Club, we have been encouraging, strongly encouraging Noelle to submit this family fucking recipe for oxtails for the upcoming oxtails episode. And she has been reluctant. So uh, <laughs> Noelle, no- Noelle Cornelio at digitalmedia.com. <laughs> Go ahead and send your angry emails. Demand uh, to know why she's withholding this from the club. There's no there's no written recipe. And I feel like if I even just getting the recipe from my mom is going to be like, OK, there's like two packs and your hand about this big. I mean, that sounds greens. great. Dave, do you so, accept this excuse for not submitting this to a recipe club recipe? I, I like, fully accept that. Noelle uh, can do whatever she wants. She, she, she's earned the right to oh. procrastinate as long as possible. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, but I used the oxtails and I made, uh, I tossed it into the momofuku recipe for Korean braised short rib stew. I replaced the short ribs with oxtail. It was great. Awesome. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Next one is the New York Times article about Brian Scalabrini so being good. challenged to pick up back basketball. I think so we good. all read it, right? I love it very much. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I had never read the article in the time. I didn't. I didn't read it when it came out, like last year or whatever. Yeah. But this is like I think this is this is such like a ridiculous belief that people have that like the difference between them and a professional is like a few years like a couple, a, a little this or that. It's like, if you're an NBA player, like whatever they say in there, it's like, you're one of the best basketball players on the fucking planet. <laughs> like what are 500 best players on the planet? And if you're removed from that, you still were one of the best players ever. Like why would anybody go up? So the article's about like how guys like Brian Scalabrini, kind of lifetime journeyman, like, you know, uh, a few minutes per game, reserve players get challenged to pick up games when they're just like walking around, you know, post retirement and always clean the floor with whoever's who's coming up to them. People don't understand on a professional level, whether you're a golfer, because I do know many professional golfers that are no longer tour golfers in their sleep. They can kick the shit out of anybody. Right. It just shows you the 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 skill level, the rare skill level you need to be to be at the best in class, best in class in anything to reach is just impossible. And I love it when amateurs think that they can always compete. They always think they can compete. You can't. You cannot ever compete with a pro, even if they look like a schlub like myself. Now, <laughs> what do you think, what sport or activity do you think people feel is the most accessible that they can compete? And what sport do you think has the actual biggest delta between professional and I say they're both the same. I think that many people that watch tennis think that they can play tennis. Tennis is to be a world-class tennis player is impossible. It is one of the sport that looks easier on TV than it actually is. And I feel a lot of people think that they can play tennis, but they really can't. But I think that that I think that that notion is dispelled the first time you pick up a tennis racket and you're like, oh, my God, this is so much harder than it looks on TV. It's so much harder. any sport you watch on TV, any activity you watch on TV, you think you're good. It's a yeah. I mean, but you're an amateur. You, you just know basketball, yeah. pool, anything darts. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people think they can play professional baseball. I don't think they think and, they and can all these that. amateur cooks. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's where this all started. Really, is like the Yelpers mm -hmm. who were like, "Why would I pay for this? I could make this at home." Like, no, you can't. Okay. Yeah. Next, Biscoff cookies in the yeah, wild. Where do you find them? I think they're re readily available. Is that your yeah. conclusion, Noel? Exactly. You got yours from Trader Joe, Chris, or Jamie did. How about you, Dave? Did you? I've been shopping at Trader Joe a lot more because of the rising price of things. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I really have, but their meat selection is garbage. I really, I'm sorry. It's not so good. Anyway, hmm. I have not, I found, I bought the speculose uh, the thing, the butter. Mm -hmm. So I think that counts as it. Um, and I'm now at a point where I don't believe that it's true. I can completely understand QAnon now. If you just believe it, hmm? <laughs> it's true. 
you know, all these conspiracy theories for a long time. And right now I currently believe that every photograph that's been sent to me, every comment that it exists in the wild is not true. And I filters out and it's a lie. So whenever I see somebody saying, you see, well, I can just tell myself it's a lie. I can make myself believe anything. And currently I can relate to all the conspiracy theorists out there that believe the most ridiculous things are true. And they're just, they're just out of sight enough that they're not falling on his head so he can mm. continue to believe this thing. I, I see that. Okay. Well, that's a real thing, though. A lot of people on Discord were talking about the fact that Biscoff is never eye level in any grocery store. So you're always looking kind of down for them. It's usually one row. I'm always so. looking down. Okay. Oh, I'm, God. He's a shoe gazer. <laughs> I, uh, here's, here's my only conclusion. I believe they exist. Although I didn't, you know what, to, to, Dave's, to Dave's point, he could call my bluff because like I didn't get a photo of myself in a store yeah. with Biscoff cookies. Jamie didn't either. So I don't know. She could be part of this, this QAnon conspiracy, conspiracy too. I'm going to say this Biscoff cookie is the new QAnon. Okay. So my oh, wife is part of the new QAnon. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> mm -hmm. here's the only thing. The, the little two cookie bag you get on the plane is actually the perfect portion. You want, you want a third one. But as a man who has now eaten the third and the fourth and the fifth uh, after the second, they are not as good. You shouldn't be allowed. To, they sh it should be illegal to serve a full bag of a full sleeve of Biscoff cookies. Well, the problem with the sleeve is it's so hard to like reseal. You have to tape it maybe or eat a few in order to like roll the plastic. So it's also hard to get them out of I just thought yeah. I had a beautiful idea uh, for a recipe that nobody had ever made. Biscoff banana pudding. Wrong. There's like thousands of recipes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. Did you guys eat at a hot and juicy or boiling crab style seafood restaurant? I, if I recall, I believe that there was some delivery or make your own happening. No, on this I, one? I, again, this is where I was criticized on Discord. I simply asked, is it okay for me to say that I did it by cooking Dungeness crab and shrimp at home in a Maywintang style? What is the what, what is the what is this what is the style of soup you said? Sorry, it's a Korean spicy soup, usually done with fish, but I made it with crab, the Dungeness crab. Well, first of all, it's called the Dave Chang Show, so I'm pretty sure it counts. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, I I absolutely think from a, from the spirit of the, the thing, I give you half credit because part yeah. of it was going Whoa, to half, the, half credit. I I was, I was thinking you get a credit and a half. <laughs> 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 no, you don't get a credit and a half for that. Uh, coffee then bourbon didn't didn't make beets, didn't make oxtails, didn't go to a diner. But he made four at home crawfish boils. That's a credit and a half. Yours, Dave, is like half you know half a credit. Noel, how many <laughs> crab legs did you eat? Uh, I ate at least five or six. The restaurant that we went to, which is called Claw Daddy's in New York. Uh, they accidentally gave us two orders of crab legs instead of crab and crawfish. So, decent amount of, of crab legs around. Spicy? Yeah, actually. It was uh, whatever the level two, I think, out of four was. So, mm, mild. Is this, much mild of a, is, this, is this type of restaurant a thing in New York? Is it like a... Not really. No, there aren't that many. I think that there's way more. I could be totally wrong no, I think in saying this. I, but... I think there's several of them in New York City. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well... There, yeah. there you go, Chris. I think in the I East Village alone, there's like four. Hmm. <laughs> More is okay. Which one is which is the greater epicenter, LA or New York, for this? I think it's LA. Mm, LA by far and away. Okay. Yeah. LA, every kilometer has one. 
no matter what neighborhood you're in. Maybe Brentwood, uh, Pacific Palisades. Switch to the metric system to describe the frequency of these restaurants in LA. The funny thing is, is uh, I don't know if it made the ugly, delicious, uh, no breakfast, lunch, and dinner scene with Lena Waithe and myself when we went to the one hot and juicy in in Hollywood. <laughs> it is a smorgasbord of ethnicities in there. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. only white people you'll see are the surfers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the reverse of everything else. It's just the, it's it's the so upside down. Crazy. Because I feel that most white people don't know how to eat crab unless you live on the eastern seaboard or the Pacific Northwest. Or the or, or, or Louisiana Orleans. area, yeah. the, the Gulf region. But most people don't want to cut, touch crab or shell, shellfish outside of peel and eat shrimp. Yeah, and even that I think is still a little bit of a struggle. It's like eating food that isn't with your hands that isn't like a sandwich or wings or something is foreign to a lot of my friends. Hmm. Um, did everyone make Dave's anything with mayo and cheese baked dip? I, I, I made it two times this week already. <laughs> <laughs> I made it on. I made it as the vegetable offering on Mother's Day. Uh, my traditional Mother's Day cooking is like a big seafood. Uh, what kind of veggies thing. did you guys use? By the way, frozen veg. Anything from the frozen aisle. Anything. Today, I actually made it with green beans, broccoli, spinach, and edamame. And peas. I did all of it. Hmm. Wow, it was, it was, what's the what's the thing at Chinese? It was it was Buddha's delight. We had Buddha's delight. Dip. <laughs> Although lotus root, I can't imagine something like lotus root in there would not work out so well, but. Um, this thing is this is delicious. I, so I, here's the thing, and I, I talked to Dave about this because I saw him uh, one of the times he made this this week. But um, I made this. You know, it's it's mayo, cheese, and and broccoli. You microwave the broccoli. I so I microwaved it first, which I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do, but it doesn't really matter. It turned out the same. Uh, mixed it and then in the same any day put it into under the broiler. But um, I put it at the table, and my mother in law was like, "Oh, broccoli supreme," which I guess is like a thing that I didn't know about. Oh. So I don't, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's a, uh, it is, it's truly, um, a bulletproof recipe. It's unreal. And we need to come up with a whole list of bulletproof recipes. This hey, is last it. time I saw you, you made it with, um, you threw an egg in there though. Do you usually do the egg? No, but I just said, why not? Cause sometimes if I see it too dry, I'll, 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 I'll add an egg or Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got the Worcestershire fine, and then you struggle with sauce on that one. <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Uh, the egg was nice. I think it, it added a little something, something fluffy. Noel, well, did you make it? I did. Spinach artichoke style. Yeah, it was, it was, was it delicious? Yeah, of course. Mm. Of course. I think I'd prefer this one in particular to be baked just because it had that, like, if you eat it fresh, then it has that, like, uh, harder cheese layer on top. Um, but I, I saw everyone make it in the microwave too. Super, super easy. So I just can't speak more highly about this recipe. It is maybe something that I've made more the past two and a half, almost three years than anything else. It's in that top five range. Um, delicious. Um, cause you can add anything to it and it's going to be good. What if you uh, add nothing to it? What if you just do cheese and mayo? It's still delicious. I mean, I, I want to venture to try to do roasted potatoes in it because I think that could be delicious. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Really delicious. I like the medley, though. The medley is my next move. I'm going to go into the medley. Maybe some onion. You got to get the color on it. You have to broil it at the end. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
All right, next one. Uh, and did you guys watch episodes of Is It Cake? And how do you think you would have fared? One episode, right? Okay, an episode. Did you watch an yes, episode? Yes, I watched the first one. And How'd you do? It was a perfect score, clearly. No, oh, you didn't. Did you God. correctly predict everyone? Yeah. The, the croissant, the hamburger. Wow. I mean, wow. It's, how could you not? That's it, honestly. Well, Noel, how did you do? I did pretty well. I think I actually watched the entire, I, like I watched an episode and then just kept watching the entire season. Um, there was one though, one episode towards the end. I think it was the toys um, and an elephant was made. Like a yeah, toy elephant. One. Yeah. That one was nuts until you actually really zoomed in. But if yeah. you're a judge on that podium, no way. The other yeah. episodes are not food based. It's just anything based. It's anything. It's anything, anything based. Yeah. yeah. And so the later later in the season, I think it's just like the best ones are competing. So they get a, like a little harder. I did that one too, Noel. And I only got two out of the four. But yeah. every single one, I was like, I fucking know this. That looks horrible. And then I'm like, oh, that's a real football. Okay. Mm hmm. We were watching this. So like the this this and like nailed it and all these like kid these baking shows are like huge with kids. I don't know if, if if Hugo watches any of these, but like kids love these. I was watching this my my family. We were watching this with Ruby. She's like wrapped. She's watching this thing. And then at one point she she's like getting all excited. She like turns over and she's like, What is ganache? <laughs> <laughs> uh and my only other is it cake takeaway was like Mikey Day as the host, I think he does a pretty good job. And I've decided that like the best kinds of hosts for these like cooking competition shows are the ones that like almost imperceptibly hate the show. <laughs> they like hate that they're hosting the show. I was thinking about that why Mikey Day decided to say yes to this, and I'm sure it was, well, SNL isn't filming now. Um <laughs> my agent says he doesn't recommend this, but something to do. Right, but that's the attitude when you're like, what are you doing on this show? And he's the coast is also just being like, I don't know. They said I could hack things with a machete. So here I go. But when I first watched it, I couldn't put my finger on who this person was. I said, has he been on Talk Soup? Did he host Talk Soup on you? Yeah, he's the guy with the little skunk, skunk part. Man, I couldn't figure it out. Oh. Did he host Mystery Science Theater 3000? He did something. And I couldn't figure it out until Grace said, He's on SNL, dummy. And I said, oh, and that's when I came up with my theory. Why would Mikey Day do this? Other than he was bored, <laughs> SNL, I wasn't filming, and that's why it happened. He also probably thought, like, eh, most people don't won't re realize who I am, so they'll never know I was on this The show. number one show on Netflix. <laughs> Mikey Day just fucked himself. <laughs> I know, right? I thought that, I thought that same thing. He Mikey Day himself. spent six years trying to become one of the bigger cast members on SNL now. Oh, that's the is a kick guy. It's the king guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, last but not least on our list is watching all five Twilight movies. And I know that neither of you did it, but did you get anywhere? Did we watch any of them? Just the first one. Hmm. And again, I'm shocked at how pale they are. Just it's just shocked. You mean the cast members or vampires generally? The cast members. <laughs> I mean, if I was a real, if I was a character in a fictional multiverse where there were vampires going to that high school in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> I would have to say, this family's a bunch of vampires. <laughs> 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 I, think they, I think they are vampires. It's like, they are. 
it's the spinoff for it from Is It Cake, which is Is It Is It a Vampire? <laughs> I mean, it's a vampire. It's so clear that something's wrong with these people. <laughs> I was like, wait a second here. It's true. If you subsist on a a, a blood diet, you probably look a little weird. Yeah, I mean, you meet them in there, and you think to yourself, this person has an old soul, and they they're just whiter than white. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's crazy. The first, and I feel like this is the case with a lot of movies, like the first movie, they are just so pasty and the makeup so bad. The way that it looks is awful. And then you get to the second one, they start to normalize in color. And it's kind of that jump from like movie one, two into the next where then things look better, like the jump from, well, more things that you probably don't care about, but the jump between Harry Potter's one and two into three, it's like, whoa, this entire look absolutely changed so quickly. <laughs> Did but, you just, you think Dave doesn't care about this guy talking about Harry Potter? <laughs> no, I think, all he, the time? I think he really cares. <laughs> was this your, okay, last question about this. Was this your, your, like Dave and I were not the age group or demographic for this, but like, did this hit you? Was this you, Noel? Uh, the movies, yeah. I mean, I watched all of the movies before not because i really enjoyed it i'm definitely a person who like commits to a series once i start it but this all came out at like i think the prime time um and i was the target demographic for all of this um so not my first time watching all five but re-watching all five was really really brutal so yeah, <laughs> i got through it i was on a cross-country flight i talked about not having the earphones but um I could have watched it with subtitles, but I just I just can't watch it. I'm going to. I need time and I need an extension. You're not going to watch it. Why are you going to watch it? Don't watch it. This is the, like this is this is that's the worst decision. I, I, I have to. That's know a what happen- level I have decision. to know what happens. I have to know what happens. <laughs> you don't even know what happened no. in the beginning. I need to know if true love exists <laughs> in this world. <laughs> um. Well, we covered a lot. Um, it's also worth noting that I think maybe only one Discorder actually got through all of them. So shout out to Peacock, who, you know, he really crammed, he or she really crammed uh, a lot of the tasks kind of last minute, but got them all done. Well, I don't, I don't like Dave. I don't really believe I it. didn't. I did nine out of 12. I think Dave and I are tied at nine. Noel is, is, a, is a 12 for 12 or we got So we're going to come up with a system for the next, by the next time we do this. All right. Okay. Give us five stars. 